Good morning, everyone, uh, watching uh, our live stream mass. My folks, uh, just very quickly, our mass is being streamed live uh, on Facebook first, and then uh, will be uploaded to uh, YouTube uh, for viewing uh, today and for the week to come. My friends, um, the story of the, the Mayan-born blind, like last week's story of the woman at the well, presents a very incredible image of Jesus of Nazareth, the one sent by God, the Father, bringing his light and life and healing to all who would approach him. And Jesus calls all to be his disciples. And in John's account, the man born blind illustrates one person that moves towards the light, meaning his faith will be increased, while at the same time others are moving towards darkness and doubt, and thus uh, John would pour, put it forth as blindness spiritually. As Jesus encounters the man born blind, uh, there is no request directly for healing by the blind man. In a deeper reading of this account, one can see that there is a sense of urgency for the light of the world, Jesus, uh, for he is approaching the end of his earthly mission. And we are told in the scriptures, night is coming. But while he is still in the world, Jesus must do the will and works of God the Father. We are told Jesus uh, smears clay in the man's eyes and tells him to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. And we are told that means sent. Uh, my friends, it does seem that the Lord in this event and this encounter is very blatantly um, through what John calls signs showing who he truly is uh, as he knows that his time on earth is coming to an end. Uh, furthermore, Jesus is desiring recognition of his father's work and he is desiring earnestly the response of faith from the people who encounter him and who see these signs, as John calls them, and all those uh, uh, who he would say have eyes to see and ears to hear. But as John's gospel account of it tells us, uh, the response of joy and faith is severely lacking. The man's neighbors, are, we are told, are divided over the matter so much so that they actually question very ridiculously uh, if this man is the one who was born blind or not, the one they saw begging earlier, the man has lived with them all his life. They know who he is. But they are only worried um, about other matters. And then we see his parents also. His parents are worried about being shunned by the community and being excommunicated by the religious authorities. And then we have the religious authorities, the Pharisees, and they are concerned only about the external observance of the Sabbath day laws. For the man born blind who encounters the light of the world, he goes, as Jesus tells him, to the pool of Siloam. He bends over the waters of that pool to wash his eyes of the clay. My friends, uh, if you want to know a little bit more about the clay, what's going on, go back and read Genesis where God forms man out of clay and breathes into them. But also the scriptures will tell us, from the earth comes truth. Find that in the scriptures. So now a deeper meaning of what Jesus is doing with the clay. The man goes and washes the clay, but this time he not only hears and feels the living waters, a reference to last week's readings, or known as the flowing waters of this pool, but for the first time in his life, he actually sees the water. And for the first time in his life, he actually sees the light of the sun. 
The man with a joyful heart returns quickly to look upon the man who had given him such a great gift, the gift of physical sight. And just as Jesus sent him on a little journey to the pool uh, to gain his sight, so now this man begins a new journey towards a living and a saving faith. The faith is shown uh, in his soon-to-be-given testimony. St. John's account shows the gradual progress of the man's faith. At first, the man refers to our Lord as the man known as Jesus and the man called Jesus. Then as the Pharisees become stronger in their interrogation of the man, the man's faith begins to grow. And he then refers to Jesus as a prophet. And when the man is confronted with their continued spiritual blindness and their harassment, being put under oath to tell the truth, give God the praise is a formula for placing a person under oath in that time. And upon hearing the Pharisees say that Jesus is a sinner because he broke the Sabbath, the truth of what is happening uh, all around him, the blind, comes to him like a flash of light. And the man confronts them with the courage and the truth by testifying, it is unheard of that anyone ever opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he would not be able to do anything, the man says. Here, the light of faith clashes with darkness of doubt in hardened hearts. The man born blind moves away from the darkness of his neighbors, of the Pharisees, and even in this case, his parents, as he spiritually moves towards Jesus, who is the light of the world. And he is only a short step from a full and fortified, life-giving faith. For in his profession, at the end of this story, in his saying, I do believe, Lord. And then we were told he worshiped Jesus. The man comes to the fullness of faith, not just in word, but in action, for he worships the Lord with everything. My friends, so... It is true that this gospel reading is about the journey of faith and also at the same time about those who will not believe. But also in it, uh, there's something else that speaks about God and about his care and about his love. And it's picked up in the second reading from St. Paul to the Ephesians. He says, now that Christ has enlightened them, meaning us, we must in turn adopt a lifestyle in keeping uh, with our new state in the world. Jesus, the light of the world, not only gives sight to the physically blind, but also the light of faith to the spiritually blind, demonstrating God's desire to love and to heal. And remember, in the beginning of the gospel reading, Jesus confronts a misconception about disease and God and sin. He's telling the people that disease does not come from God and it's not because of sin. That brings us to this time in our world and in our country now with so many people suffering and so many people uh, being devastated uh, by the coronavirus. And uh, this question of human suffering was a big problem in biblical times. It is still a big problem today, obviously, and the Old Testament view saw a connection between disease and sin. Suffering back then was seen as God's punishment for sin. But this left them with a very harsh image of God. 
It made God out to be a spiteful and vindictive person. That is why when the apostles saw the blind man, they concluded that his blindness was the result of someone's sin. Then uh, they wanted to further know who. Did he sin? Did his mom and dad sin? How is he being punished? Hoping that Jesus would solve the problem, they asked him, why was the man born blind? Who sinned? Was it the man himself or his parents? And Jesus said, neither the man nor his parents sinned. Thus, Jesus rejected the connection between disease and sin. The man's physical blindness was not punishment from God. God does not do evil. God only does good. We do not know the cause of the disease of the blindness. But Jesus went on to say, this is an opportunity for me to show you what the works of God are really like. Then he proceeded to heal the man. The man's blindness did reveal something about God then. It shows God's compassion in the face of human suffering. The apostles might not have found Jesus' answer very satisfying, but rest assured it was the perfect answer to the blind man. Evil is a reality. Brokenness is a reality. Disease is a reality in our world. And our response to it should be the same as our Lord and Savior. Our response is to do good. And to always encourage. Jesus encouraged everyone he was around. And in this time, in our country, in this world, we need to be true followers of Christ, walking in his ways and encouraging others and doing good. What this man needed in the gospel of the blind man was not a lecture on the origins of evil. What he needed was healing. What was a problem for the apostles became an opportunity for Jesus, an opportunity to do the work of God, to show what God is really like, full of love and compassion. Jesus went on to say that this passion was drawing people closer. His sacrifice was fast approaching. And he said, as long as the day lasts, I must carry out the work of the one who sent me. You and I are Christ's disciples, as we heard from the second reading. Today, then, with the suffering of others, let us see it then as an opportunity to do good, to help those who are in need, an opportunity to care and to heal and to uplift people and to love them. We do not know how much of life's day remains for each one of us. Nobody does in any time. But we must try to make use of every opportunity that comes our way to do good. And any good that we can do or any kindness that we can show to others, to another human person, let it be done now, my brothers and sisters. This is our role now in the world to show kindness and to be merciful. My friends, God has given us the command to follow his son. Let us do that. Let us follow his commands. And by doing this, by walking in the footsteps of our Lord, by walking in his ways, let us go and do good for others in this time. Let us help each other. Let us have a spirit of cooperation and understanding 
in these midst and these times. Amen.